Most of the people I know who have what I want, which is to say purpose, heart, balance, gratitude, joy, are people with a deep sense of spirituality. They are people in community who pray or practice their faith. They are Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, Christians, people banding together to work on themselves and to work for the good of the world. They follow a brighter light than the glimmer of their own candle. and They are part of something beautiful. These are words from an essay written by Annie Lamott. The essay is entitled, Why I Make Sam Go to Church. Like other kids around the age of 9, 10, or 11, Sam does not want to go to church and complains bitterly about having to do so. And yet he goes, partially because his mother outweighs him by 65 pounds and because she really wants him to have what you get from church. So today, just before school starts again and we are putting our lives back in order, some may be questioning in their hearts and minds, why do I have to go to church? I go to school, why do I have to go to church? Why do I struggle to get up in the morning and get kids together, those who will still be outweighed? Why do I have to go to church? Well, as I read this passage for today, it just looked to me like a list of to-dos and to-don'ts to be a Christian. Something that we can just check off and it can be kind of a report card of our relationship to our faith. Yes, yes, maybe. Well, not necessarily. And you'll forgive that one, right, God? But as so often happens when I prepare to preach, God will challenge those first thoughts and give me an image. I often wondered what in the world God is thinking. As it was this week, God gave me an image for this sermon. And that image is exactly... The Fisher-Priced built brilliant basic rock and stack. Go figure. Is God crazy? I sat there and I said, really, God? Really? Now, you know one of these things because you've seen your children play with them. It has the white plastic base that rocks and the center yellow plastic post and these rings that look like large colored donuts. Am I right? You know them? Really, God? Really? And so I, I began to do some research about this. You know, when God gives you an image, you don't immediately just say no. Or if you do, God usually comes back and says, oh, yes. So I was taking seriously this image, and I did some research and I found that babies learn how to grasp objects 
and practice using their hands when they play with these. And they learn perspective by putting them together and getting to fit in the right order. And that little body sit up and reach and stretch, and so their core muscles get stronger, and they are able to stand and then learn to walk. So I began to look at this passage and these rings and what God might be speaking to me that I can share with you. And this is what I I came up with. That these rings all stacked up together tell us something about our life together. And so in this sermon from Hebrews, the first and largest ring is love. And the writer of this letter plays with the Greek, and it's really wonderful for the words for love that are used here are Philadelphia and Philozenius. We all know Philadelphia is that brotherly love, that brotherly sisterly love which God calls us here together in a family of faith where we are sisters and brothers, one with another, where we care for each other and we support each other. We love each other. Now, I have to say that I've seen sisters. I've seen sisters tear into each other and fight with each other, and there's nothing that makes me more crazy. And I say to my daughters, you are sisters. There's nothing else, no other relationship that is like that. Your dad and I are going to be gone someday, and you're going to have each other. So make it work. (laughs) Do I hear an amen from my daughters? (laughs) We are brothers and sisters of the same flesh and blood of Christ. we got to make it work. And that other word for love, the philozenius, Philadelphia, Philozenius, that's the love that we share with people outside of our community, specifically strangers, because it is the foundation of our faith that we offer hospitality to strangers, those who are different from us, whose ways may be strange. And the writer of the letter reminds us that sometimes when we welcome strangers, we find that they are angels in disguise. Today you will have the opportunity to have lunch with angels. In March, a family came, strangers to the United States, strangers to us, we certainly strangers to them, the Al-Hazoris, Refugees fleeing war in Syria. And we did this because we are called to welcome the stranger. 
and offer hospitality to those in need. And so they've been part of our family, even as Muslims. And one night in early July, when it was Ramadan, and the Al-Hazoris were fasting from 5 in the morning until 8.30 at night, Some members of the church came together with them in the evening to break the fast. And everyone bought food, but Amar, the mom, brought two crock pots of this Middle Eastern chicken stew that smelled of garlic and cinnamon. And when it came time to eat, Rita Stefan found the Muslim call to prayer on her phone and played it. And somebody then asked Eric to say a prayer, to which he replied, we already have. That's a holy moment in which this family became messengers, angels for us messengers of God's love. Philadelphia, Philozenius, love. That first ring. On top of that ring comes compassion. And it's really suffering. Compassion the calm, of course, meaning with, and passion, meaning suffering, like the passion of Christ, the suffering. Here, in community, we share each other's pain. At the writing of this letter to the Hebrews, people were imprisoned for their faith, And to visit someone in prison was to expose yourself as one of them. Someone saw you go and bring food and clothing because that's what prisoners relied on. There was nobody in jail. The Romans didn't give prisoners food. You had to rely on your friends, your family, your church to bring you that food. But going and doing so was to risk being seen, being caught, being imprisoned as one of them. When I was first a pastor, I sat with a woman whose mother had just died. It was expected, but no one is truly prepared for the pain of the loss. And to sit with someone in that kind of pain and to bear the uncomfortable feeling of knowing that there's really nothing that can be said 
beyond, I'm sorry. And I love you. And let me hold your hand. And God is here. But it's really not in what we say. It's just in being there that is so much a help. It is being in that pain. It is a deep sharing of vulnerability, of being human. And that suffering And that we say to ourselves, I too am one of them. That vulnerable human, I am one too. So with love comes compassion. And the third ring I am calling true-heartedness, which is this funny mixture of truth and faith and courage. For being a church, being part of a community of faith, is being (laughs) countercultural. Our society is obsessed with sex and looking sexy and being sexy and having sex. Go shopping for girls' clothing and you will know what I mean. We are obsessed with having things and getting more things. And all of this leads to the abuse of people and the abuse of children and creation. Being true-hearted means being faithful and true in who we love and how we love and what we love. Here we are challenged in being strong and having beautiful relationships with those people closest in our lives and beautiful and true and strong relationships with creation and justice and the environment. And we practice, we practice this true-heartedness and getting there in the gratitude for people in our lives and for the things that we have. And we practice generosity Giving as that antidote to an insatiable want. This is not a list of moral do's and don'ts, but it is a way of orienting the heart. And there is faith. Faith is belief that tells us that we are connected to God, that there is a stream of love that flows through reality, and we are part of that. And that God spirit is part of us. And there is also faith as religion. Yes, religion. Embrace it. Not just spirituality, but religion. We have a faith tradition. Leaders and teachers who go back thousands of years. Who built the first hospitals. Who led the Reformation. Martin Luther and Calvin and Martin Luther King Jr., Give us scriptures and writings and art and ancient practices that have helped people across the centuries access that steady source of divine love. And this also teaches us the core, that yellow post there in the center of this 
little rocking piece, the core, the center, is the love of God. Christ, our center. Christ, our center, the love of God, the core of our being, the strength of our soul that will steady us. Always there. Always. And the final ring at the top is worship. When we walk through the door of the church, we find our place in the pew, the spirit happens. And we open up the green hymnal or the blue hymnal. And we listen for somebody nearby who knows the tune. The space in this place is transformed because we are together. And God is here. And we pray. And there's a frequency in our joint being that shifts. And we are tuned to the frequency of the love of God. And that sustains us to take that frequency of the love of God out into the world and into our lives so that our lives can be tuned to that even when we are not here. So this beautiful passage and this beautiful image, and I think about all those ways in which the babies learn from putting together this silly stacking tower and how we learn to grasp God's grace and to know that God holds us and then how we practice using our hands to help others and to lay our hands on and heal and to hold hands and to pray. We learn perspective here and get challenged in our lives and our perspective of people and things. We meet angels. We are loved. We show compassion and practice our faith. People in this place are willing to suffer with us. We come strengthen the core of our being so that we can sit up and stand and walk with bold courage. Have you ever seen a child play with those stacking toys? I went online, again, research. God gives you that image. You better take it seriously. I went online to look at videos of children playing with this stacking toy because it's been a long time since my children played with those stacking toys. So I did this. Oh, my goodness. There was one entitled Lord of the Stacking Rings, which in itself is just hilarious. And there does this one where this child had really learned how to hold that thing steady and get these rings in the proper order onto the post. And what was so great was when she did it, there were these squeals of laughter, just sheer joy on her face. It was that transformation, the delight in the eyes. It was amazingly beautiful. And I thought back to Annie Lamott. And why we come to church 
and that line to be in community to live with purpose and heart and balance and gratitude and joy thanks be to God for church Amen.